Welcome to another episode of No Laughing Matter with Cuba Pete. I'm Pedro Joe Greer. I'm the uh, dean at the Roseman University College of Medicine, a new medical school that we're starting now. This episode, like all our other episodes, are about the interface between society, societal issues, healthcare, and how do we prepare our future workforce through medical education. The experiences are out there. Our profession has to stop living in silos. I'm a liver specialist. Life is not about a liver. The liver is a consequence of many things. And one of the great things about Vegas is you meet the most amazing, accomplished, and humble people. Dr. Cheryl Brewster, who's our senior executive dean for uh, diversity, inclusion, and equity, decided one Saturday to tour what's known as the tunnels. Is that correct? Yes. And she came across this amazing person and came back and said, I met the most amazing person. And then she mentioned she had also met a football player, but that's a... <laughs> That's another thing. That was a fun day. It, that uh, has done all these amazing things, and I needed to meet him. His name is Jeff Iverson. He's originally from Utah, bordering state. He now is a Las Vegan, fully invested. And I hear that your kids love Disney World? Or is it you that loves Disney World? I think I love Disney World. Okay, got you. Okay, <laughs> that's the happiest place in the world. Jeff here started a place called the Freedom House, Sober Living. Something that is so important and so needed in our society today. If you haven't heard about it, the opioid crisis is destroying this country, as well as other addictions. We have seen that the use of alcohol has zoomed through the pandemic. Admissions in hospitals for acute alcoholic liver disease have increased 30% to 50% during the pandemic, as has drug use. And so many things in so many people's lives can just trigger one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Jeff, welcome. Thank you for having me. And by the way, he's also an incredibly successful businessman. Apart from giving back to the community and doing all these things and taking his time off with, uh, how many kids do you have? I have two kids. Two kids and a wife. He's going to go on Saturday and help the most needy in our society. And actually introduce them because... I started my career 35 years ago working with the homeless. At the time, it was crack and HIV. That was a tsunami that was hitting them back in the early 80s. Yeah. But today, the problems are 10 times worse, so much more complex. And if you aren't aware of it, we're going through an incredibly horrible heat wave in the southwestern United States. That means it's probably 100 degrees in the shade. Imagine that and the dehydration that goes on. And... When you do drugs, you dehydrate even further. That's so I, I actually had mentioned that you were from Utah. Your family's from Utah. Yes, my mom and dad were both. You're a native Las Vegan, aren't you? Born and raised. Born and raised here. Born and raised in a town that what happened here used to stay here. Spo allegedly. Allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> Jeff, let me ask you a question. With Freedom House, with all the time that you give, time that you give to those that are in the greatest need in our society, to mm. those that are ignored. Uh, I remember when I started working with the homeless about 35 years ago, a former homeless individual had a, an interesting little sign on their door that said, how can you worship a homeless man on Sunday and ignore one on Monday? 
mm. which I found to be a very profound statement. And why do you do this? I mean, you're a successful businessman. I mean, you're a brilliant businessman. And what got you to do this? Well, I wasn't always a brilliant businessman. Let me clarify that. <laughs> um, having grown up in Las Vegas, I think I was anxious to experience a lot of the things that are off limits, especially as a teenager. You know, drinking and gambling and all the things that the, the Strip has to offer. And I was just in a hurry to experience it. And I think it caught me off guard. And I became addicted to substances and gambling and other things very early in my 20s. And I just, I didn't understand it. And so it was a... And you, a, were, you were gainfully employed at the time, weren't you? Yes. For the majority of that time, I was able to appear as though I was a functional user. Okay. Um, but that quickly changed as my addiction spiraled out of control. And so the short version of the story is it led me to homelessness. And it led me to some places that I never thought I would go. And I'm grateful for those experiences now. Uh, I am the person that I seek to reach out to and help on those weekends when we're doing outreach. I am the guy that we strive to provide services to through our programs at the Freedom House. That's my story. And I, I absolutely love going over there and talking to people, especially the clients, about my personal experience and how I was able to get through it and overcome some of those challenges. Uh, because I really think that that is the best way to give hope to somebody that's struggling. And it's amazing too, because at the Freedom House, it's just not getting clean. It's all the other wraparound services you do, the support that you have there. That's incredibly insightful for a person that doesn't come from the world of service. How did you come across doing that? Well, like I said, it's, it, all, all those ideas were born pretty much from my experience and the experience of some of my close friends and coworkers there. Um, we, we started at Freedom House, it actually started out simply as a housing program. And we started with 100 beds of transitional housing. It doesn't take very long providing housing to, to you know, 50 or 60 of the people that are coming from the streets to identify what their real needs are. And it's much more than a roof over their head. It's, it's dealing with food insecurity. It's dealing with... Uh, job readiness, it's dealing with uh, anxiety and mental, you know, other mental issues. And so the, the you know, I didn't want to become a, a house, uh, like a homeless shelter. Right. I wanted to be a program where we could really provide people with those wraparound services so that when they were ready to leave Freedom House, they were armed with the facts and had the tools necessary to go out and be self-sufficient and understand their personal situation with the disease of addiction or alcoholism and how to stay clean and sober so that they wouldn't go back into their old habits and places. And, and that's not an easy thing to stay clean and sober. It's not. And do you prepare them at all to mend bridges with old friends and family? 
So I think there's a point in the program where we absolutely talk about the need to change people, places, and things. You know, but we also have to be realistic about the approach. And most people are going to venture back into some old or familiar places, and they're going to talk to probably some people from their past. And so rather than teach them what not to do, we want to teach them what, what to do, do how, how to stay strong, how to uh, not blame outside situations, people, places, and things for their own, their own choices. The first time we met, you told me an incredible story of the importance of your mother's love. Oh, yes. Go ahead, tell the story. Well, I think, I, I, think, I think what I told you was the story about how my mom was the one person in my life that never gave up hope. You know, there was employers, there was you know, my father and all my brothers, and there were a lot of other people that just kind of threw their arms up in the air and said, we don't know what to do now. You know? And I don't blame them. It's very frustrating to love somebody and watch them continue in self-destruct mode. My mom, however, was the only person that never gave up. And she made a few critical decisions that actually altered the course of my life. I think it was just nothing, nothing less than like, you know, mother's intuition. We don't get to choose our parents. You got really lucky. I did get lucky. You got really, really lucky. What perspective does that give you as a father now? I think it absolutely shows me the importance of a truthful, honest, and transparent relationship with my kids. Obviously, having gone through what I've been through, I am better armed to deal with some of the things that they may uh, choose to do or put me through in the future. But I think I understand the concept of enabling pretty well. And even though my mom was the one that never gave up on me, had she made it harder for me to continue on, on that path of self-destruction earlier on, you know, it, made a, it, it might have changed things, but I don't get caught up in what yeah, could have or would have happened. And, and the other thing, too, you're talking about a generation that hadn't seen this. Right. You know, this was not a, a common experience. And uh, so, and, and if I remember correctly... You were her toughest delivery. <laughs> I was her toughest. That's right. I was, she made sure on Mother's Day to remind me I was, I was the toughest to raise and I was her toughest delivery. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so that, that, that's incredible. I mean, to me, it's amazing listening to you. What I'm taking from you just right now is who you are. Mm -hmm. I would love it if you could come in and teach our medical students one thing, your humility and the importance of that. Now, you're a guy that once you became sober, you got a job as a limo driver. Within six months, you were running the company. Correct. And then you, you like, I don't know, how many times you grew that company. And when I met you, I met you in your, another company you have, uh, Solar Power. Mm -hmm. With that really strange reptile you have in that box. <laughs> but that's okay, that's another thing. Hey, the reptile was, was homeless too. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And it looked like it was doing great in recovery. But the, uh, 
if, if uh, as a medical educator and our team, and we're starting a new medical school and putting together a new curriculum, you've been to enough doctors. Lots. What would you do differently with your experience with a doctor and you wish the doctor knew or had asked or had asked it in a different way? I think my, my personal experience is that doctors are, most of the doctors I know or have seen are somewhat uninformed as to how mental illness affects substance use and vice versa. 100%. And, and, and I think we're really quick to identify an issue that needs to be treated, and I think we're really quick to identify a medication that's going to fix that. Without even discussing the possible side effects of the medication. Correct. And, I mean, your point is right on target. We, and I've talked about this in other episodes, but a 2017 report by Ann Case out of Princeton, she's an uh, economist that follows morbidity and mortality, showed that for the first time in 100 years, American morbidity and mortality was increasing as opposed to every other industrialized nation right. where people were living longer. And it turns out to be non-Hispanic whites of my generation, baby boomers. And when you took the same cohorts that had had finished high school that didn't, you had these three leading causes of disease, but they were right down here as a flat line. Here was going up. And the three leading causes were suicide, opioid overdose, yeah. and alcoholic liver disease. All three of those have underlining behavioral health problems. Absolutely. Or you wouldn't get into that. And I remember in the early days, in the early 80s, when we were taking care of the homeless and the crack issues and all that was going, because South Florida was mostly a cocaine town, not a opioid town, as that has changed now, was we were still trying to figure out the relationship. So they'd either send you to behavioral health yeah. or substance abuse treatment. Yeah. But they never put the two together. And many times, especially with cocaine, and I assume also with meth, that serves as a therapy for behavioral health. Absolutely. And so it's self-medicating. But you targeted right on there. I, the, the, the behavioral health, in my opinion, is so important. There should be no case that's presented to a medical student that doesn't include what are the potential or what are the behavioral health issues that might have led to this. Right. Because especially now in our society, and especially after the pandemic, so, I mean, we have a dearth of behavioral health specialists that we need. People and families need to start talking to each other. Yeah. But more importantly than talking is what you do. You listen. And listen humbly and don't judge. And that can really help out with a lot of things that are going on with all these things. What, what, what would you recommend besides us bringing you in there and talking to the students? Because there's an addiction issue in, in healthcare. Sure. In doctors, big time. There's addiction issues across the board. We just are the biggest deniers in the world. I think, yeah, I think that a lot of people associate addiction or alcoholism or mental illness with weakness. And it becomes a pride issue, you know? Uh, I don't want to talk about things I'm going through, even to my family. My family, once they become aware, might not want to talk to anyone they know because it, it might be embarrassing. And that type of a domino effect just compounds the problem, right? Where I, I am 
pleased to say that I think that a lot of information is available and I think that society is starting to understand and we're starting to rid ourselves of the stigma that's associated with, you know, substance use disorder or mental illness. And it's becoming more okay to talk about, but we've got a lot of work to do in that area. And, you know, physicians and training physicians, we're not really good about talking about things, especially about ourselves. So, I mean, what I'm getting from what you're saying is we need really strong wellness programs in medical school. And I don't total know- Total wellness. Yes, total wellness, not just uh, health, but I mean total wellness. And talking about these things, anxiety, depression, are uh, at a higher rate in medical school. However, once you become a doctor, the suicide rate goes up. Male physicians have about 1.7 times the national average of suicides, and women have about 2.4. Wow. And you, you, why is somebody doing that? And, and the number of doctors that committed suicide during the pandemic. And we need to address that. A physician's no different than anybody else. No. A physician, as a matter of fact, is here to serve other people. Right. And that's something we've got to go back to. And the virtues that you have, you have humility, you have empathy, you have compassion, you have social accountability. You see a problem in a society and you're doing something about it. And you're doing it enthusiastically and humbly. And why? Why? Because I had a mentor in my early sobriety that told me I could. He gave me permission. And one of the most beautiful things you said to me is, we were talking prior to the show was, I don't think I'm doing enough. I don't think I'm doing enough. Well, all I can tell you is thank you for not doing enough because you're doing an incredible amount. And <laughs> Thank it's you. so much that society needs for that. And I think that the entire community of Las Vegas and the entire southern region, the entire state, the entire country has to say thank you to you. Thank you, I appreciate that. nobody made you do this. You did it. You did it because of your experiences. You did it because of your upbringing. You did it because of your mother. Yeah. And I mean that becomes vitally important. We were talking uh, in another episode also about the two most important roles in society. In my opinion, are mothers and teachers. And we don't pay them. We don't support them. Let's get back to the values that we need. Let's get back to the services that are needed in a community to make Vegas healthy, to make Vegas the best city in this country. And I think we're on the verge of doing that. I agree. I, I, I really, really do. The, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, the, one of the beautiful things that came about as a result of my experience with founding the Freedom House was the opportunity to identify where even at the Freedom House we're lacking in wraparound services. And that's where Crossroads of Southern Nevada came about. At Crossroads, we were able to, uh, and, and first facility of its kind that I know of in Southern Nevada, incorporate a mental health clinic, a medical detox clinic, and a full-service comprehensive care medical clinic all under one roof with a housing component. So, so, so we're treating the person as a whole, and I'm not, I'm not treating one area of their life that needs improvement and then giving them a referral to go to a clinic where they might not have transportation or there's other issues or barriers for them. We brought all those services under one roof. And that's one of the things that uh, our education is gonna be based on, which is called the social determinants of health, or the non-biologic causes of disease. 
80% of all diseases in this country are caused by non-biologic factors. Right. Things you were talking about. Transportation, zip yep. code, racism, you know, all the other things that occur in society, lack food inequities, you know, the uh, lack of support. And it's, it's just not one-stop shopping like you're doing, but it's training the professional to see outside of that silo. That it's the, the, the physician of the future as we train them, for whatever specialty they want to go into, has to be able to understand that it's not the disease, it's not the organ. And it's just not that individual. They have friends and families. Yep. They have a household or they're under the bridge. They have surrounding environments that are going to affect not only their health, but their recovery. And the recovery just not from substance or alcohol, but recovery from uh, any disease state you might have. Yep. In medicine, we'll ask you on your first visit if you got a job. But we'll take your blood pressure every visit. <laughs> exactly. And that really affects your health and your health outcomes. So, Jeff, if somebody wants to donate or contact you, how do they do that? So I can be reached personally. My email address is jeff at freedomhouselv.com. My Instagram page is Jeff Iverson, all one word. And I'm happy to help. If you know somebody that's struggling with mental health, substance use disorder, homelessness, food insecurity in Las Vegas, we're here to help. Jeff, God bless you for what you're doing. Thank you. God bless you. I look forward to seeing how we can work with the Oh, so we're gonna, you and me are going to become twin brothers of different mothers. Don't you worry <laughs> okay. about it. We're going to get you fully involved with this. The, uh, and just one last thing. You are today happily married with two kids. I'm divorced with okay. two children. So I was close. It was at one time. <laughs> Let me correct you. I'm happily divorced. It's okay. There you go. <laughs> And I have two amazing sons, ages 9 and 11, and I have a great relationship with my ex-wife. Okay, We're both in recovery, and our focus is raising our sons to grow up to be amazing men. So God bless you. Thank you. Number one, he's not from Utah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's happily divorced. And they're <laughs> But anyway, Jeff, you don't know what a treasure it was for me to get to meet you. Thank you. And to have your voice come out and tell the rest of the world. And anything that we can do to help out you and your organization, we're here. Because this is a problem that's getting worse. It's not getting Thank better. You. I think we're going to be able to do some good things together in the community. I think so, too. Thank you so much, sir. I appreciate you it. You got it. Live from Studio A, actually recorded from Studio A in Las Vegas, this is Cuba Pete, No Laughing Matter, where we have the interaction and the interface between issues in society and healthcare and health education. And today we had a spectacular guest, a guest I could teach us about humility, about service, about what it really is to be a part of a community to make it better for those in greatest need. Jeff, thank you. And to the rest of the world, let's save it. When I play the maracas, I go chick chicky boom, chick chicky boom. 